What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Kicking Out at Two. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth. Thank you all so very much for joining me as we are going to be giving you a special request watch party this week. That's right. A few months back, um, I put it out there on social media. What would you guys like? for me to discuss or for me to watch and watch a long form and uh we got some good responses from some of you guys um uh mike ferrara a uh, listener of uh kicking out of two as well as a listener of uh the, you know my days on the ken reedy show uh avid supporter huge wrestling fan um he he he, he was the first one to answer the call, and I greatly appreciate that. Um, I know Mike and I have had our differences from time to time, uh, especially during my time on the Ken Reedy show, but Mike is a huge wrestling fan and very passionate about wrestling, and that's what I like about him. And so Mike answered the call, and originally um, his first choice was for me to do a watch-along of the 1993 King of the Ring event, uh, the King of the Ring pay-per-view event. It was the first time the King of the Ring was ever on a pay-per-view. Um, had its own pay-per-view uh, dedicated to the concept, and I thought, you know, what the hell? I've, I've watched that show from start to finish before. Why not watch it again, but with all of you? And um, at the time I was planning my show, we were in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, the coronavirus. By the time this show drops, like I say, like I've been saying on all the other recordings, hopefully we are not in a state of panic and we are not quarantining ourselves and we are not self-isolating ourselves or socially distancing ourselves um hopefully we're you know back to normalcy in our in our society and in our culture but if we are not why not while you have time at home while you're you know netflix and chilling or wwe network and chilling why don't you pop in a podcast listen to us and do a watch along with us so i couldn't do uh, an entire king of the ring pay-per-view by myself it's like two hours and 42 minutes um i certainly couldn't get my wife to do it uh obviously with this self-quarantining we couldn't really have people over so it's not like i've been uh, i've been having guests over uh, to to do these podcasts with me so i reached out to mike and mike was pretty flexible and i said what else would you like for me to cover is there a certain topic you want me to discuss or is there a watch along and mike said can you do the very first raw from 1993 and i thought you know what that sounds like a pretty good idea. So we're going to watch the inaugural episode of Monday Night Raw from January the 11th, 1993. It runs 45 minutes and 54 seconds. Um, you can find that on the WWE Network by searching, um, you know, there's a space bar on the left-hand side. It says home, WWE pay-per-view, and then you go Raw, SmackDown, NXT, click on Raw. Then you're going to scroll all the way to the year 1993, and then you're going to scroll all the way to the very first episode from January the 11th 1993 um, and uh, while you guys are doing that uh, hit us up on social media facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two hit that like button if you haven't already if you have hit the like button then urge many friends that love old school pro wrestling to hit the like button and be a part of all the fun that I'm trying to implement on our Facebook page on our social media because social media is supposed to be fun and not it's not supposed to be negative with debates about politics and who screwed this up and 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 all the negativity that social media breeds at times I'm trying to be the positive side of, of, of social media with kicking out it too so uh, you can find links to archive shows you can find um, 
pictures and uh, polls and debates and discussions, GIFs and memes and all kinds of great stuff over there on our Facebook page. The same goes for our Twitter. Our handle's at kickinout 2 K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number 2. The same kind of fun, but just 140 to 220 characters or less, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, still working my way up to get that blue check mark. It's a, it's a long journey, uh, but you know I'm hoping to get there someday. So all your support on Twitter by giving us a follow would be greatly appreciated and helping us get to that next level. Um, and speaking of archive shows, like I said, you can find all those archive shows in our links uh, on the Facebook page as well as our SoundCloud page. You go to soundcloud.com. You can find Kicking Out at 2 by searching Kicking Out at 2. And uh, you'll find all the links to every single show that we have done on Kicking Out at 2. But more importantly, where the real home of Kicking Out at 2 is, the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching Retromania with a W. You can find... You can find Retromania um, on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, if that's still a thing, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Podbean, all kinds of great podcast apps. You can find the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching Retromania with a W. Kicking out of Tuesday, Hulkamania is dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, uh, Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, um, Cool Truth with AC and White House. Um, I believe by the time this episode airs, we'll probably have them up on there. But if not, you can find Cool Truth with uh, AC and White House um, on Spreaker as they cover AEW. We also have Gaijin Wrestling Radio um, and other great bonus content available on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, all right, so Mike, hopefully you're listening. Hopefully you, you, you're queued up. You can do this watch along with me um, as well as all of you. And Mike, full disclosure, you got my word. There will be a King of the Ring 1993 watch-along once this thing settles down, once I can have people over so I can do a, have a co-host so I can bounce things off of, because I can't do a watch-along by myself. I did it once, and uh, it was it was pretty brutal. It was actually the very first episode of Kicking Out of Two, the pilot episode where I covered Bash at the Beach 1996. I did uh, just about three hours, and man... Um, I'll tell you, it was. Uh, I, I don't recommend it. So um, that's why I'm kind of doing these little watch-alongs that are, you know, 45 minutes to an hour tops of old episodes of Raw or Superstars or Nitro, ECW. Uh, they, I might even do a Saturday night's main event down the line, a WCW Saturday night. So um, trying to trying to stay within my wheelhouse, so to speak. But Mike, you got my word. This is this is for me to make it up to you. Um, and then eventually I'll get to that King of the Ring. It'll be on the schedule before the year 2020 is over. Um, and if you guys have special requests, if there's shows you'd like for me to watch on in watch-along form or shows you'd like for me to recap, cover, any kind of discussion points from those particular shows, whether it's a pay-per-view, whether it's um, episodes of Raw or SmackDown or Nitro, uh, Thunder, Saturday Night, Old AWA, World Class, um, you know... Just let me know. Hit us up on our social media, both Facebook and Twitter, and uh, I'll be I'll be glad to uh, accommodate you in any way I possibly can. So, without further ado, drum roll, please. In five, four. Well, let me let me let me backtrack a little bit here. I'm gonna give you guys a countdown. When I say play, you're gonna hit play. You're gonna have the sound off uh, from time to time. I will put the sound on in case there is. A promo that um, I'm, you know, I would like for all of us to uh, 
listen and check out. And uh, yeah, you know, if you if uh, you need a timestamp, uh, I'll be glad to give it to you as well. Um, like I said, the show runs 45 minutes and 54 seconds. Uh, and if we happen to get lost or something happens with my audio, then uh, I will gladly uh, put you guys up to speed. So now, once again, drum roll, please. In five, four, three, two, one, hit play. We have a open here of a foggy, misty night in New York City, a shot of the Empire State Building as Sean Mooney is out front the old Manhattan Center, which would be the home to Monday Night Raw um, for the better portion of 1993. And here's Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, Bobby Heenan uh, was not scheduled to be a part of this Monday Night Raw broadcast, and uh, he's trying to make his way into the building. He didn't have a ticket. He wasn't invited. So this is going to be the oncurring theme throughout the course of this episode of Monday Night Raw, um, the very first episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, this this show would replace Primetime Wrestling, uh, which was two hours every single Monday night, and Primetime Wrestling was a studio show that featured... Um, Different matches from uh, uh, different WWF programming, whether it's Superstars, Wrestling Challenge, Saturday Night's Main Event, um, even some exclusive bouts that took place at live events from like Madison Square Garden or Boston Garden or the Maple Leaf Gardens, the Philadelphia Spectrum. Um, Bobby Heen and Gorilla Monsoon were the host for uh, a number of years, and then eventually it became, um, you know, the the studio format for a brief period of time would have an audience and that audience would have um you know vince mcmahon hosting and you'd have special guests you know wrestlers come on and do some funny bits and they would cut to matches um and then eventually it became like a round table with like vince as the host along with like bobby heenan macho man gorilla monsoon um roddy piper hillbilly jim uh you know hacksaw jim duggan the list goes on and on they had a number of different uh hosts uh, a round table of guys that would get involved in the discussion but here we have uh Vince McMahon, along with Randy Macho Man Savage and uh, comedian Rob Bartlett, um, who I had no idea who he was, but apparently he was a local in the New York area, uh, had had uh, some stints in radio, and so they thought adding him to the mix would um, help uh, the presentation of Monday Night Raw. Uh, here we see the opening match in the very first episode of Monday Night Raw in history. Coco Beware, one half of high, high energy. <laughs> That's from my man, Kobe Knight over there. High energy. Uh, Coco Beware is set to face off against the massive Yokozuna. There you see a young Mike Kyoto, the referee. Um, I always like this, uh, th this, this setup here in the Manhattan Center, this Monday Night Raw setup here. Um, I felt like it was... Um, it just had like this, like no pun intended, raw, intimate feeling. Um, and just the, the architectural structure, the balconies and the ceilings. And, um, you know, it, it felt like this, I wouldn't say this like underground fight club, but like it was, it just had that like special exclusivity type of feeling to it um, by, uh, by looking at it, you know, aesthetically, um, as we see Yokozuna here. Um, receiving the ceremonial flowers from his geisha girls um getting ready for action now this is you know january 11th 1993 they're on the road to wrestlemania with the royal rumble um yokozuna would take part in 
that Royal Rumble match and win that Royal Rumble and go on to face the WWF champion at that year's WrestleMania, which had that like Roman Empire Caesar's Palace theme to it. Um, there you see Mr. Fuji, uh, the manager of Yokozuna. Fuji had changed his look up. Uh, he went from being, you know, the the with the James Bond odd job villain look with the top hat and the cane to the um, the Yokozuna martial artist, you know, master splinter kind of vibe with the robe and the the flip flops. Um, yeah, that's what that's what Fuji would end up becoming um, when he would manage Yokozuna. Um, Yokozuna Hall of Famer. Um, same thing with Coco Beware, as well as Mr. Fuji, all three of them, Hall of Famers. And uh, Yoko would um, Yoko would have a pretty good career in, in, in WWE, WWF. Um, Multiple-time WWF Tag Team Champion, multiple-time WWF Champion, involved in some high-profile uh, uh, storylines and matches with... Bret Hart, Lex Luger, Undertaker, um, part of the tag team with Owen Hart, uh, as a member of Camp Cornette. Eventually, he would leave Camp Cornette, turn babyface, eventually speak English, because apparently he didn't speak English during this time, or he was forced not to speak. Um, and he would take on uh, Vader, who was the new big man in Cornette's camp. Um, but Yokozuna, I think, um, some... Now, there's, there could be an argument made that Yokozuna is an underrated big man because he doesn't really get talked about enough. When you talk about big men, you talk about Andre the Giant, you talk about Undertaker, you talk about Kane, you talk about Big Show. But Yokozuna, to me, as a youngster during this time period, was like this era's version of Andre the Giant. You know, Andre was the big man. He was the guy. You know, there wasn't many... Uh, during that time period that were as big as him or bigger than him. Um, Undertaker would burst on the scene, but um, as, as Andre was fading out, but uh, Yoko to me was like that big dominant giant, I guess you could call him, even though he wasn't seven feet tall. Um, he had tipped the scales at just about 500 pounds. And so to me, like he was an instant, he had instant credibility in my eyes as a fan, as a youngster at 10 years old. Like, I pictured my... When I first saw Yokozuna, I just pictured Hulk Hogan and Yokozuna right off the bat. Um, and, and it wouldn't be long until we got to that. Um, via the finish from WrestleMania 9, and then eventually the King of the Ring 1993 championship match between the two of them, um, which I look forward to watching uh, and covering for uh, for Mike Ferrara uh, on a future edition of Kicking Out It 2. But um, here, um, Coco, whoa, nice little uh, slingshot there by Yoko to Coco. Yoko and Coco, that could have been a tag team. Um, but yeah, Yokozuna, like I said, instant credibility um, and a guy that can move around like that um, at his size. Ultra impressive. I mean, just you couldn't you, you were mesmerized by his work in the ring and what he was able to do um, and his look with the sumo gear. And he just he he like I said, he looked like a star. He looked like, you know, he was very credible that like he could he could hurt you. Um, and that he was a major force in the WWF. Like I said, this era's version of Andre the Giant in terms of size and how 
how much of an imposing figure he was as it looks like we're we're getting ready to uh to uh deliver the the bonsai drop uh yoko making his way up the ropes here um and uh, another part of his presentation that was just so impressive was this move here you know off the second rope, down onto Yo or Coco, one, two, three, and your winner of the very first match on this episode of Monday Night Raw, Yoko Zuna over Coco Beware. Um, like I said, very impressive, and uh, Yoko clearly, in hindsight, and you know, going back and 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 trying to uh, uh, remember my my reimagined 10 year old thoughts was was he was a big deal and uh i remember you know for my birthday falls in january it actually january the 9th so it was two days after this this um there two days before this event had, had taken place but um part of my birthday gift um from my parents was you get to uh you know for your birthday you can have a party and order the royal rumble so uh we would um I had some friends over and we ordered this pay-per-view and it took place on a Sunday afternoon at like, like three o'clock, I remember. And um, as we see the promo here for the Royal Rumble pay-per-view that's set to take place later on that month. Um, and I had some friends over and uh, some of them were... There was like one or two that was a real diehard wrestling fan, but for the most part, some of them were like casual fans looking back and remembering. And uh, I remember we were talking about who's going to win the Royal Rumble, who's going to be the one to, to, to face the WWF champion at WrestleMania, because that was the first year that they implemented that stipulation, as we see the Raw Girl here um, with a very 80s-style haircut in the 90s. Uh, kind of adding that like boxing ring girl presentation to the... Uh, to, to, to the wrestling scene. But um, I remember telling my friends, I said, it's Yokozuna. Yokozuna is the biggest guy. No one's going to be able to eliminate him. And some had said, oh, it's going to be Bret Hart. or But Bret Hart was already in the title match. Oh, it's going to be Macho Man. But um, I had chosen uh, Yokozuna. And here's a pre-tape of Bobby the Brain Heenan discussing the debut of the Narcissist who would eventually be Lex Luger at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view event. Let's take a listen. Well, let me answer your questions, Mr. Perfect. Comparing you to Narcissus would be like comparing ice cream to horse manure. Now, I know horse manure has its place in this world. Even perfect horse manure. But perfect, there is only room in this world for one human being that is truly anatomically perfect, that is physically and mentally superior beyond imagination. Why, Ric Flair and I both agree that Michelangelo could not capture on canvas the stupendous qualities of Narcissus. He could not sculpt from marble the metamorphic qualities of Narcissus. Why, Narcissus is so beyond perfect, it's like he's from another galaxy. So, Mr. Perfect, when you see me unveil Narcissus at the Royal Rumble, you are going to think, if you can, that Narcissus is from another world. All right, Narcissus. 
Bobby Heenan had a little trouble uh, pronouncing the narcissist. He would call him narcissist. As we see someone who is familiar with narcissist from the WCW days, the Steiner brothers, as they are in action on this first episode of Monday Night Raw. Um, narcissist would eventually debut at the Royal Rumble. It would be uh, revealed it was Lex Luger, the narcissist, and he would be under the tutelage of Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, in that little camp there. Um, just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a recap, uh, Heenan was uh, the executive, or he was the, the he, he was in commentary, but he was also had an on-screen affiliation with Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect, and Mr. Perfect had turned on them and and uh, became a good guy, and uh, it was kind of like Heenan along with Flair and Razor Ramon, as we see uh, what looks to be Doink the Clown in the background. Um, Doink, uh, you know, making uh, making waves um, early on in the WWF, uh, somewhat of a distraction, I could, say, I must say, for uh, this match here with the Steiner brothers. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, Heenan would would have another ace in the hole in the Narcissist, along with uh, Ric Flair, and I don't think Razor Ramon was a part of that group much longer after that. Um, I know Razor Ramon will be on this show cutting a promo regarding his royal rumble title match with bret hart um but i don't think he really had much of an affiliation with rick flair um after survivor series uh steiner brothers here um low-key in my mount rushmore of tag teams of all time well you know one of my favorites um i just love their style i love the presentation with the 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 multicolored singlets and um they're very physical, roughhouse style, along you know, mixed with their amateur wrestling background. Um, I used to think Rick Steiner was an idiot because he wore two different colored boots, but uh, that opinion changed very quickly after you saw what he was capable of in the ring. Um, I just loved the Steiner brothers. I, I thought, honestly, that the Steiner brothers, um, their run in the WWF was... Um, was there could have been so much more. It really could have. Um, I mean, you know, they had a run with the championships. They wrestled Money Incorporated. They wrestled the Quebecers. Um, and those were probably the only real noteworthy highlights of their um, their run in the WWF. Um, they had a match at WrestleMania 9 against the Head Shrinkers, which I think is the sleeper match of that show. Um from a match quality standpoint, it was just fun and exciting to watch. But um, the Steiner brothers, man, like I remember the the WCW days and what they were, uh, you know, what they were involved in and who they'd wrestled. I was just so excited that they were part of the WWF and what they were able to bring. I mean, if you go back and you look at the Steiner's resume, you know, in WCW, NWA, you talk about their matches with the Freebirds, you talk about their matches with Doom, you talk about their matches with the Nasty Boys, you talk about their matches with the Horsemen, you talk about their matches, um, their, their Super Brawl match with Sting and Lex Luger from Super Brawl, the very first Super Brawl event in 1991, a classic. Um, that If you were to do a Steiner's Mount Rushmore of matches, that would be on there. And then eventually their matches with Harlem Heat, um, The Outsiders, Hall and Nash. Um, their WWF run was very underwhelming, and I was very disappointed. Um, but it did not make me a fan of the Steiners, as we see them pick up the victory here with that signature top rope bulldog from Rick Steiner to one half of the Executioners. Um, 
Yeah, I was just really looking forward to seeing what else the Steiners were able to do. Uh, you know, like I said, they had Money Inc. and the Quebecers and the Head Shrinkers, but that was really about it. And Oh, even the Heavenly Bodies at SummerSlam later this year in 93. Um, that was a pretty fun match, but I just felt like there was just so much more you could have done with them. Just tapped into their their ability and what they were able to uh what they were able to bring to the presentation as we see um let's let's let's, let's take a listen Bobby Heenan is always uh, m making himself present on this very first episode of Monday Night Raw, trying to get into the Manhattan Center as we see Razor Ramon here, scheduled for an in-ring interview with Vince McMahon to discuss his championship match with Bret Hart at the 1993 Royal Rumble, which is probably one of my favorite Bret Hart matches. Uh, let's uh, let's take a listen. You can't 
do nothing about? Chico, you can't do nothing about Razor Ramon taking your precious gold <laughs> at the Royal Rumble. You'll head your way, ladies and gentlemen, in less than two weeks, Sunday afternoon. That New York crowd was pretty into Razor, I must say, uh, as a um, as a heel. Um, you can see some boos, you know, some people with their thumbs down, but uh, for the most part, you can uh, you can hear that audience was kind of getting behind him a little bit, and that was probably the point in time where they realized we got to figure out what direction to bring Razor Ramon in, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, and. Um, Eventually, later in the year, they would do that um, with his storyline involving the one, two, three kid. Um, if there's a match that you should check out from this era of uh, WWF, check out that Royal Rumble match from 1993 with Razor Ramon and Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. It was uh, very underrated. Doesn't get enough love, I think, from the wrestling community. Um, and uh, it's one of the very few chances or opportunities that uh scott hall aka razor ramon had as the um in in the in the main event scene for the dub for a heavyweight championship um which i'm going to get into that on a future um uh, edition of uh the day five fanny pack if you will i'm going to talk about that um a little bit uh, and, and discuss the prospects of razor ramon as the wwf champion um because I feel like that's something that, uh, obviously, knowing his background, knowing his personal issues that have come to light, that's probably the main reason why he never received a main event run. But I'm sure that there are other reasons as to why they didn't, uh, they didn't, you know, strap the rocket to Razor Ramon during this time period um, in the WWF. But um, yeah, so we have here Shawn Michaels along with Max Moon, uh, Max Moon shooting freaking laser beams out of his freaking costume. He's got a rocket ship. He's going to climb up and use the rocket ship to get into the ring with his freaking laser beams. That's my, uh, my Dr. Evil impression. Um, Shawn Michaels, one of the very few guys that, uh, you know, he was active for a very long time in terms of his uh, of wrestling and, and being a part. He's now he's part of the company in WWE. is a member of uh, NXT and works behind the scenes for NXT and NXT UK. But uh, you know, Michaels um, was on the very first episode of Monday Night Raw here against Max Moon. Um, and when WWE would do these anniversaries, these milestones celebrating, you know, they did the 10-year anniversary. Michaels was on that episode. Then they did the 15-year anniversary. Michaels was on a, that episode. Then they did the Raw 1000. Michaels was on that episode. Then they did Raw 25, and Michaels was on that episode. I mean, Michaels has been... Him and Undertaker are probably the two longest tenured guys um, that were on the debut episode of Monday Night Raw. Or even Razor Ramon was on that Raw 25. Um, and parts of it were held in this building in the Manhattan Center, which I thought was a disappointment. You know, Raw was three hours. They had it in Barclays in Brooklyn, but they also had um, they had the um, 
the other portions of the show from time to time from this building in the Manhattan Center. And I was, like I said, I was very disappointed um, in, you know, the production and creative and in, in the creative for that show. Um, I kind of was hoping for bigger things um, and it was, it, it just didn't, it, it fell flat for me. Um, it, it didn't have that magic, you know. They they tried to make it look like, um, you know, the Raw of old with the red, white, and blue ropes and the old block WWF logo, but um, it just didn't work for me. It didn't work. Um, they had, like, Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy in a match. Um, they had, like, a DX reunion. Undertaker cut a promo before this, um, before that... Uh, that show basically saying that like he wasn't dead or whatever and this was after Roman Reigns had kind of retired him the year prior um it just kind of fell flat for me um it really did and uh it was one of those um it was one of those shows where I was really hyped because it was a huge anniversary and it just didn't do it didn't do it at all but uh here we see Shawn Michaels and Max Moon Max Moon would be portrayed by Paul Diamond um the original Max Moon for those of you unaware was uh, WCW legend and Mexican uh Lucha Libre legend Conan uh played the original Max Moon and uh that didn't last very long I think he was he made an appearance for like a week or two um and then he had quit the company but they had invested all this money in this Max Moon character with the costume and the, the rocket ship and the laser beams. And so they, they, they put Paul Diamond um, uh, under the mask and uh, had him portray Max Moon. And that didn't last very long either. Max Moon was a here today, gone today kind of concept for WWE. Um, but somebody who wasn't was uh, this individual here, Shawn Michaels, who was making... Uh, making short work, or some work, I should say, of Max Moon. You see Doink! Doink with uh, that arm in his sling. And, uh, you know, I, I've kind of alluded to it in other conversations with people, and I do want to expand on it on a future edition of, of, of this podcast, but not to give away too much. But I feel like Doink the Clown came up during the wrong era. Um... I feel like Doink the Clown would have been appreciated more had he debuted two or three years prior to this. Um, I can I can picture, okay, and as silly as this may sound to some of you, I can picture Doink the Clown headlining a major pay-per-view like a SummerSlam or, uh, or, or even, you know, a, a Royal Rumble against somebody like a Hulk Hogan or a Randy Savage. Um you know, as the as the the top guys, the the, the champions, or even Ultimate Warrior, um, the the evil Doink the Clown that debuted in 1993, I don't think was appreciated by the audience. Um, it was over; the people dug it, but I don't think they really appreciated what they had. Because um, even as a kid, I I was like, oh, a fucking clown! They got a clown! Like, it was just kind of silly. But in hindsight, looking back on it. Um, I think if Doink the Clown had had an opportunity to debut much sooner, you know, two, three years prior, I think he would have been a major draw as a top heel for WWF. Um, 
and, and I won't elaborate any further. I'll get into that um, at a later date. But, um, you know, when I, when, when I decide I want to discuss the, the, the greatness that is the original Doink the Clown. Um, but uh, Michael's having his way with Max Moon here. Um, going for a cover. Kick out at two. Rear chin lock by Michaels. Um, heading into the heading into this Royal Rumble pay per view, in a few short weeks following this this Monday Night Raw, Michaels would wrestle Marty Jannetty for the Intercontinental Championship. Michaels would defend the Intercontinental Championship against Marty Jannetty. And um, like I've I've discussed before, I discussed it actually on the the Superstars Watch Along recently. Um, I was a huge Rockers fan, and when I got to see them face off against each other, it was bittersweet for me as a kid, um, because as much as I wanted to see them as a tag team, um, I was really excited to see the kind of matches they were able to have. Um, not many people regard the michaels Janetti royal Rumble match as one of their best, but... Um, it's honestly a sleeper of a match. Um, I liked it, and that's another match on that Royal Rumble pay-per-view that you should probably check out. The, uh, the, the undercard on that pay-per-view was tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Um, that, that Royal Rumble match was kind of a stinker, but that undercard on that Royal Rumble pay-per-view was, was one of the best. Um, you know, you had Sean and Marty for the Intercontinental title. You had Brett and... Uh, Brett and uh, Razor for the WWF title. You had the opening bout with the Steiners and the Beverly Brothers, which was a really fun match to open the show. And then you had the Big Boss Man and Bam Bam Bigelow, which was a solid big man match. It wasn't good, but it wasn't great either. But it still um, it still held its own on that undercard. Um, you know, if there if if there's a Mount Rushmore of Royal Rumble undercards, I would put that up there. Um, because you can Mount Rushmore anything in, in, when it comes to wrestling. Uh, but yeah, Michaels and Jannetty had a fantastic match at that show. Um, eventually they would have another classic that would take place on Monday Night Raw in this building. In the Manhattan Center in May of 93. Um, they would face off against each other um, for the Intercontinental Championship where Jannetty would win the title. Um and uh, shocked the world. It was it was one of the more memorable moments in the early days of Monday Night Raw. As Michaels picks up the victory here with that side suplex over Max Moon to retain his World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Championship. Uh, you know, we we're talking a lot about uh, uh, Michaels and his uh, you know his match of Genetti and even Rumble undercards and his his tenure in the company, but. Uh, uh, Many people sleep on that that Intercontinental Championship belt he's holding, the original design, and that's you know with the with the blue leather strap. Um, I thought that was you know kind of neat and a little different. Um, as we see here, uh, looks like a um, a commercial uh, for um, some form of WWF programming. Oh, WWF Mania, um, which was a neat little show at the time. Um, studio show that took place Todd Pettengill was the host and you would uh, you would have uh, yeah Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock on USA um, I used to watch that show they used to be a lot of fun they used to show clips from Monday Night Raw or exclusive matches um, 
and they would kind of like recap, uh, you know, certain storylines, things that, you know, to transpired. Um, here's the Royal Rumble report. I'm going to play the audio for this because I always used to dig these, you know, pay-per-view reports to give you um, previews of what was to come for the, the, the upcoming pay-per-views. These I miss in wrestling. Um, I don't miss Ica Pro because you've got to want it. But uh, let's, let's play the audio for this uh, Royal Rumble report. You can see it exclusively on pay-per-view cable TV. Hold on to your hats. Just announced WWF Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels to defend against challenger Marty Jannetty. Now the word is that Sensational Sherry will be a ringside, but in whose corner? Let's see if these two gentlemen can shed some light on that subject. You know, nobody has been more undeserving of an Intercontinental title shot than you, Marty Jannetty. But being Mr. Cool, I'm going to give you one anyway. And everybody wants to know, where's Sherry going to be? Whose corner is she going to be in? Well, I mean, I haven't had a chance to talk to her. But like any woman, she's going to be in the Heartbreak Kids corner. You can count on that. Jannetty, Royal Rumble, you're done. January 24th, the Royal Rumble. I'm going to call it Marty Jannetty Day because that's the day I'm going to get everything I want. I'm going to capture the Intercontinental Championship. And more than that, I'm going to end the career of you, Shawn Michaels. And you're talking about Sherry being in your corner. You know all about Sherry. Well, maybe you don't know Sherry as well as you think you do. Remember, Sensational Sherry will definitely be at ringside. Then, 30 of the greatest superstars in the World Wrestling Federation in the 1993 edition of the Royal Rumble. Remember in this one, it's every man for himself. You initially start out with two men, then add another man every two minutes thereafter. And here they come. Last year's winner, two-time World Wrestling Federation champion, Ric Flair, the undefeated Native American, Tatanka, tag team champion, IRS, former World Wrestling Federation champion, Bob Packlin, the King, Cherry Lawler, and this man, Mr. Perfect. Talking about having a good time, talking about a smile on the face of Mr. Perfect, no, it doesn't look out of place, because the Royal Rumble is here, an opportunity for Mr. Perfect. A guy who has no problems with anything because everything in my life is perfect. And all the great athletes that enter the Royal Rumble, no matter how big and how strong and how powerful and how smart you are, one thing you're not, and that's perfect. Four prominent names include the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, from Hawaii, Karuch, the model, Rick Bartel, and 500 pound plus Yokozuna, who is standing by with his manager, Mr. Fuji. Yoshi, look at my Yokozuma in Royal Rumble. No one can move my Yokozuma. No one can lift him up, no up his feet. Yokozuma, 505 pounds, will be the winner in the Royal Rumble. And all 29 opponents will no. fall off. One by Yoosh. one, and Yokozuma is the winner. <laughs> oh yeah, four names. The Macho Man, Randy Savage, Papa Shango, Earthquake, The Berserker, The Undertaker, representing Puerto Rico, Carlos Colon, 
Watch these names just announced. Japanese superstar, the great Kenru. El Matador, Tito Santana. One half of the natural disasters, Typhoon. Both head shrinkers, Samu and Fatu. And this man, Mr. USA himself, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, hey folks, it's Royal Rumble time. Hacksaw Jim Duggan's kind of match. Because if it moves, you nail it. No friend, all foes out there. I want to tell you folks one thing. I'm not going to guarantee I win the match. But I guarantee I'll give you 110%, tough guy. Don't forget there's even more prestige in this year's Royal Rumble because the winner will have an opportunity to meet the World Wrestling Federation champion at WrestleMania 9 at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, Nevada. Speaking of the World Wrestling Federation champion in the main event at the Royal Rumble, Bret the Hitman Hart meets Razor Ramon. As you know, the emotions between these two men are running at an incredible fever pitch. We're just two weeks away. Don't get caught in the last-minute shuffle. Contact your local cable company right now and join us exclusively on pay-per-view cable TV. Cinch them up for one of the year's biggest spectaculars. Sunday afternoon, January 24th at 4 p.m. It's the Royal Rumble. Yeah, um, that's what used to get me pumped up as a kid was seeing those... Uh, the, those uh, those Royal Rumble reports. Uh, I used to, you know, after I'd watch one of those, or if it was a WrestleMania report or a SummerSlam update, I'd be like, Dad, they said you got to call the cable company. And my father wouldn't really take much, uh, t take me very seriously when it came to that stuff. But because uh, we didn't order many pay per views, um, unless it was a big deal. Um, and if I behaved, or if I did chores around the house, or if I, you know, had good grades or whatever. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, those used, those were like the, those were like the, the, uh, the, the essence of my wrestling childhood was those pay-per-view reports. I used to love those with the green screen or if they would be in studio and you'd get comments, you know, just announced. Like it was just, it was really cool stuff. Um, as we see Bobby Heenan once again, trying to make his way into the Manhattan center as a rabbi, um, all American wrestling, another show that has not made its way onto the WWE network. Um, I'm guessing because of, uh, you know, you know, a lot of editing and licensing that, you know, uh, issues they're going to encounter um, with different sponsorships and music and things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a, that was another uh, staple of my childhood, Sunday mornings, All-American Wrestling. If I was staying at my nana and grandpa's, I definitely got a chance to watch All-American Wrestling. That's for sure. Um we see Vince along with uh, Rob Bartlett and oh yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage, uh huh. There's a uh, there's a, a, a can of Sprite next to the uh, the monitor there, uh, staying hydrated as always. And then uh, looks like there's a a WWF like collector's cup over there. Uh, never seen that before. Um, here we have highlights from this past weekend on Superstars, as um, Kim Chi and Harvey Whippleman are, it looks like they're scolding Kamala. Um, and from what I remember as a young, as a young boy, um, Kamala, um, this, 
this uh, dissension in the ranks with him and Kim Chi and Harvey Whippleman had taken place after he was locked in the Undertaker's casket at the um, the 1992 Survivor Series. And here we see the Dr. Steezow, Slick Baby, that's right. Um, Slick intervening, and it looks like Slick is going to return. Um, ooh, but Kim Chi... Has uh, has some issue with that. Uh, Slick would eventually return and be the 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 spokesperson, the spiritual guidance, if you will, for Kamala, who would end up turning babyface. Um, Kamala, for the wrestling historians out there who aren't familiar with him, Kamala was was he's a legend. Um, the things he did in world class, uh, the Ugandan giant. Um, how he really, you know, made a name for himself there as well as in the rest of the territory system. Kamala was a major attraction. And eventually when he came to the WWF, he was he was presented like a cartoon character. But um, if you go back and you watch old stuff of Kamala from the world-class days when he was managed by Skandar Akbar and Devastation Incorporated, man, he was like, he was a killer. He was like, he was like what Umaga was in the, uh, in the, in the, the, the mid to late 2000s uh, before he had passed away. And here we see the main event of this episode of Monday Night Raw. Damien Demento going one-on-one -on -one with The Undertaker. Um, Damien Demento, another character that didn't really last very long in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, there were a lot of characters during this time period that didn't last very long. Um... There was a lot of experimenting taking place. The company was in the midst of a transition. They were trying to get away from the big, muscular, bulky, um, physically fit, you know, giant men that, you know, capitalized the the focal point of their of their stories, like Hulk Hogan, like an ultimate warrior. Um, and kind of go in a different direction with the more athletic um, guys like Bret Hart, like Shawn Michaels. Um, and they were experimenting with a number of different characters because they were still kind of in that sports entertainment realm. I mean, I guess they always were, but uh, you know, they were, they were coming up with ideas that just wouldn't, you know, they were throwing a lot of mud at the wall and there wasn't much sticking. Uh, and Damien Demento was a, a, a case of that. Um, Undertaker, of course, obviously, you know, still to this day, um, active in some form or fashion, part-time. Um, most recently with uh, his uh, Boneyard match with AJ Styles at the empty arena WrestleMania, uh, which I won't care to discuss. But um, nonetheless... Um, this would be, you know, the the only notoriety or claim to fame for Damian Demento being in the main event of the very first episode of Monday Night Raw. Um, I don't think we would see much from him after. Um, I believe he did have a... Um, I, I believe he was in the 1993 Royal Rumble match, but that was about it. Um... And I don't even know what a Damien Demento is. I've kind of alluded to this on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors with Kobe. What the fuck is a Damien Demento? Um, I honestly don't know. But um, he, he wasn't long for this world in 
in not only WWF but in in pro wrestling um, itself. Um, as we see, it looks like he's getting the upper hand on the Undertaker here. Um, shoulder block. Oh, but the dead man rises. Yes, he does. That's right. The dead man rises. And he's on the comeback trail. Irish whip. Undertaker ducks. A Fez press or a clothesline of some sorts. And now he calls to the power of the urn. That's right. Paul Bear. Yep, there you see him. He's, he's telling them, you know, that's it. Let's, let's end this finally. Uh, as the Undertaker delivers the tombstone. Right there, to Damian Demento. One, two, three, and your winner, The Undertaker. Crowd was certainly pleased that uh, that match ended very quickly. Um, Undertaker would have an interesting 1993 uh, following this. He would participate in the Royal Rumble match where he would begin a rivalry with, um, what the heck? Woody Allen and Mia Farrow in a steel cage match next week on Raw? Huh? I mean... Um, there's Doink! Looks like uh, Doink's going to have some words. So let's, let's, let's play the audio. Laugh and Crush has warned you about that. He warned me about what? Making children cry. Hey, if, if they don't have a sense of humor, that's their problem. If I laugh, that's all that matters. <laughs> so you're not going to heed the warning of Crush then. Let me tell you, if he came out here right now, he would be crying too. And I would be laughing. <laughs> all right. Good to Mr. Dunning. I'd like for you to meet Crush. Pardon me, Crush. Oh. Who's laughing now? Before you put your size 14 shoe... In your size 20 mold, you better look over both shoulders, bro. You got that? This was just a warning, bro. If I catch you touching anyone else, playing your stupid jokes that only you're laughing at on anyone else, bro, you just might be wearing a cast on both arms and both legs that side. You got that, bro? Whoa. game of cat and mouse as they extend their rivalry well, as you know Bobby Heenan has been very persistent throughout the evening attempting to get inside well I've got some good news for him excuse me Bobby, Bobby Heenan, I know I just got word I just got word you can go on up you're welcome go yes you're on the way That would be the end of the very first episode of Monday Night Raw on the WWE Network. Um, hopefully you guys all enjoyed it. Mike, hopefully I did you justice. I wanted to make it up to you because I couldn't do King of the Ring 93. I will have that for you at a later date. I promise you that. Um, thank you all so very much for joining me for this special request watch party of the very first episode of Monday Night Raw from 19, uh, January the 11th, 1993, via Mike Ferrara. So I uh, hope you're doing well, Mike. Hopefully you're, you've, you've washed your hands, you've washed your ass, you've uh, you've kept safe. Uh, I'm sure that you are 
are doing just fine self-quarantining with the WWE Network, but hopefully kicking out at two can help make your self-quarantining process that much better. Um, and if you got any special requests, anybody out there that wants me to watch a show and watch a long form, cover it, recap, um, anything you'd like for me to discuss, if you want a certain subject to be discussed at length or as a part of the Dave 5 Fanny Pack, I take special requests all around. I want input from all of you. Uh, I don't want this just to be my show. I want it to be about all of you as well. So please, by all means, hit us up on social media. Slide my DMs gently, please, because my wife would be very unhappy. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two, as well as Twitter. Our handle's at kicking out two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two. Um, any special requests? I'm taking them, so. Have at it. Um, and with that being said, I think it's about that time that we put this show down officially for the three count. And we will see you all next week.